2020. I mean, how do you even begin to summarize a year like this? Well, the phrase that comes to mind is a Latin phrase, annus horribilis. You may be surprised that it doesn't mean dirty bottom. It actually means a horrible year. And if I was a betting man, and I'm not, by the way, my prediction would be that the Queen will use that phrase in her speech this year on Christmas Day. What an incredible year it's been. A global pandemic, the tragic death of George Floyd, Trump's victory in the American election, Joe Biden's actual victory in the American election. Extinction Rebellion, Black Lives Matter, Brexit, the list goes on. It's been a year of political turbulence, of economic uncertainty, all creating an existential crisis. Ideologies are being questioned, worldviews are being dismantled. We live in an age of fake news, people are searching for truth, a better story that births hope and provides an anchor for the soul. You know, this is a moment where cancel culture dominates. We don't know how to do dialogue or debate or meaningful conversations. Gosh, we almost cancelled Christmas with our families this year. You can't stop people celebrating the greatest story ever told. I'm guessing most people have a copy of this book. It's the greatest selling book of all history. You may have a copy of mum and dad somewhere hidden in a drawer or maybe on a bookshelf gathering some dust. It's the greatest story ever told and no other story can really compete. Not even Lord of the Rings, number four on the all time best selling list can compete. It sold 150 million copies. Well, this book has sold five billion copies and counting. And here's how the story starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. That's how the story begins. God speaks and the lights are turned on. Fast forward 4.54 billion years, give or take 50 million years according to the scientists. And here we are. 2020, it's felt pretty dark. Almost 60,000 people in the UK alone have lost their lives to this hideous virus. People have also lost jobs and lost homes. They are losing hope. It's left many of us feeling, to use the language from Genesis 1, empty and void. I mean, homeschooling almost broke me at points and that's nothing compared to the darkness that many have experienced. It's left us scrambling for the light switch trying to pull a lever to bring light into the darkness. I mean, maybe five days with our families at Christmas will do the job. Maybe a vaccine in the new year will bring light into the darkness. But what if there wasn't a switch? What if there wasn't a lever to pull? What if searching for a switch was a distraction from a more important pursuit, listening to a voice that's been speaking for over 4.5 billion years with a consistent message? Let there be light. It's 
So let me tell you the story of Ernest Gordon, a British officer that was captured during the Second World War by the Japanese. Now the Japanese treated their prisoners brutally, enforcing them to work in harsh conditions, building the Burma-Siam Railway through the thick Thai jungle. 80,000 men lost their lives building that railway and the conditions in the prison camp were equally horrific. It was a dog-eat-dog -dog existence, hell on earth. There were no levers to pull to bring light into the darkness. And then one day, something extraordinary happened. Some of the men were returning from the railway and they discovered that the group was missing one of the shovels. The prison guard basically said, if you don't return the shovel, we're gonna kill the entire group. No one responded. The prison guard lifted his rifle to shoot and one man stepped forward trembling and the guard brutally beat him to death in front of the group. The group were traumatized. They later discovered that there wasn't a missing shovel. The guards had simply miscounted. They were traumatized, but they were mesmerized by this act of sacrifice. You see, this one heroic act sent shockwaves right through the camp. It reminded many of the men of their Christian faith and the story of another man who laid down his life for his friends. Here's how Gordon recalls it in one of his journals. He says this, death was still with us, no doubt about that, but we were slowly being freed from its destructive grip. We were seeing for ourselves the sharp contrast between the forces that made for life and death. Selfishness, hatred, envy, jealousy, greed, self-indulgence and pride were anti-life. Love, heroism, self-sacrifice, sympathy, mercy, integrity, and creative faith, on the other hand, were the essence of life, turning existence into living in its truest sense. These were the gifts of God to men. True, there was hatred, but there was also love. There was death, but there was also life. God had not left us. He was with us, calling us to live the divine life of fellowship. The prisoners decided they didn't want to just survive in the darkness. They wanted to create a community of light within it. In other words, they wanted to thrive. And as part of that, they created a jungle university. Gordon himself taught philosophy and ethics. Other prisoners taught history and economics and maths and natural sciences. In fact, they taught nine languages, including Greek and Latin and Russian and Sanskrit. They built a gallery in the camp so that people could exhibit their artwork. They built instruments so that they could perform their compositions to one another. They even built a church so that they could worship God together in the camp. You see the light shone in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. This one heroic act reminded them of another heroic act and through that act they could hear a familiar voice declaring let there be light you see the christmas story is about light breaking into the darkness 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people were walking in darkness, living under Roman occupation, and everywhere around them were reminders of that oppression. Roman soldiers, Roman coins, Roman flags, Roman taxes. They were looking for levers to pull to push back the darkness. 
They were waiting for a warrior king, a fighter, a liberator to take on Rome and to fight for their freedom. And whilst waiting for this Messiah figure in a nowhere town outside Jerusalem, a baby was born, the light of the world. And not any old baby, but divinity clothed in humanity. You see, the word that spoke 4.5 billion years before was speaking again. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. Now the boy, became a man, the man had a mission, proclaiming that the kingdom of God was here, the rule and reign of heaven available once more. Some people heard the message, thought it was laughable and rejected it, but others flocked towards the light, hoping that his light might disperse their inner darkness and they were not disappointed. Here's how some of the historical accounts record this moment. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. In other words, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, and there is new life. The crowds began to grow, proclaiming that this Jesus is the king that they'd been waiting for. And though his kingdom was not of this world, it was breaking into this world with redemptive power. The Jewish authorities were terrified by this revolution. The Roman authorities were never going to tolerate it. So they schemed together to crush it. And Rome had a proven track record of dealing with these kind of uprisings. Find the revolutionary ringleader, crucify him, and the crowds will disperse. So Jesus was crucified as a revolutionary king posing a threat to the worldly kingdoms of his day. They crucified him. He was buried in the grave and darkness descended. Job done, revolution over, or so they thought. Three days must have felt like eternity when eternity was hanging in the balance. But after three days, he rose again. Darkness lifted, the light breaking out, and the earth-shattering news of his resurrection, it spread like wildfire. And over the next 40 days, he spent time with his friends, preparing them for the adventure ahead. He then ascended to the Father. He poured out his spirit, and the revolution rolled on, gathering momentum, fueled by the knowledge that not even death could halt the resurrection power that was spreading. No darkness could stop the spread of this light. You see, when God says, let there be light, he really, really means it. So here's how the story ends. One day Christ will return and God's home heaven and our home earth will be reconciled, they'll become one. And death will be no more and darkness will be banished. No more global pandemics, no more racial inequality, no more poverty. Tears will be washed away and the brokenness and chaos that surrounds us and is within us will find healing and restoration. You see, that is what the Advent season is all about. It's not a 25-day chocolate countdown to Christmas. It's a countdown to the renewal and restoration of all things. As one theologian puts it, Advent is when the remembered joy of Christ's first arrival awakens the anticipated joy of his second arrival. So how do we wait? Well, we wait best 
not by frantically searching for the lever to pull, but by listening to his voice, the word that became flesh. You see, when we explore the person of Jesus, we're staring into the face of God. Now, that may sound terrifying. Like what if you see a distant, dispassionate deity or worse still, a kind of cosmic disappointed dad? Well, the distance of an earthly father, let alone a disapproving father, is enough to seriously wound the soul. But a distant, disapproving deity, well, that would crush the soul beyond repair. So people often look away and think, I'd rather not, I'm not sure I could cope with that. And they try and find levers elsewhere to find redemption. Some people think exploring the person of Jesus, what a massive waste of time. So they crack on with the Netflix series that's most recently grabbed their attention. But what if staring into the face of Jesus did the exact opposite of crushing the soul? What if it brought the soul to life? What if it was everything your soul has been longing for? You see, this is the experience of billions of Christians throughout the ages that when they explored the person of Jesus, when they stared into the face of God, what they saw was a proud heavenly Father radiating perfect love, providing strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Listen to these words of an ancient prayer from Scripture. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. You see, this is the ultimate blessing of Christmas. In Christ, we see the face of God. God took on human flesh, not to judge the world or condemn the world, but to redeem the world. You see, through Christmas, God grabs a megaphone and basically declares, I'm for you. I'm for you, I'm for you, not against you. And I've got plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So Jesus lived, he died for our sins, and he rose again to open that door to this glorious future. And here's the beauty of the invite. It comes with the deep vulnerability of a baby born, born to a frightened couple. Yes, it's a message from above. It's a divine invitation, but it comes with such gentleness and humility. God reaches out and extends the invite and risks rejection and humiliation because that's what love does. And that's the message of the cross. Love crosses the divide. It risks everything to heal relationship. And those that respond to the invite, the ones brave enough, Curious enough, the ones desperate enough, they open the door to a glorious light, a glorious life and a glorious future. Everything changes when God walks into the room. He exchanges beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Honestly, there is no Christmas present that could ever, ever compete. So this ancient prayer is a blessing for you this Christmas. 
whatever you do believe or don't believe about God. Like however tough this year, however deep the struggle, however dark the thoughts, please know this, that there is a God who cares. You are not alone. You are not beyond redemption and you are not without hope. There is a God who brings light, a God who jumps into the mess and the brokenness that's around us and within us and he brings healing and restoration. So here's my encouragement, acknowledge the darkness within. It truly has been an annus horribilis and that's exposed much of the darkness, but don't let the darkness overwhelm you. Let it create a longing for the light. Stop searching for a lever that doesn't exist and listen to the one through whom all things exist. He spoke in the beginning and he's been speaking ever since. Let there be light. And when he speaks, light and life, they break in. That's the story of creation. That's the story of redemption. That's the story of the first Christmas. And it's the invitation of this Christmas. So we're going to create a moment now to listen to his voice. The band and the choir are going to perform this song based on this ancient prayer. So sit back. Grab your mulled wine, turn the TV up a little bit and let this prayer wash over you. Because whatever you believe about God, whatever your heart towards God, God believes in you. His heart is towards you. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. <laughs>